doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Misty about their chronic pain. Misty has experienced a series of motor vehicle accidents that left them in a chronic pain cycle. After repeatedly self-advocating for more testing, it was discovered that Misty has a pineal gland cyst in their brain. According to the National Library of Medicine, pineal cysts usually have no clinical implications and remain asymptomatic for years. The most common symptoms include headache, vertigo, visual and ocular motor disturbances, and obstructive hydrocephalus. So if you're paying close attention to that definition, it says they generally don't cause symptoms, but here is a list of the symptoms they can cause. And that's exactly what we talk about with MISTI. And part of the complication of their journey is that pineal gland cysts are often asymptomatic. And a lot of healthcare professionals will just assume that if you have one, it is asymptomatic. But Misty was experiencing constant piercing headaches, and it seemed worth pursuing that perhaps their pineal gland cyst was not asymptomatic. So it's a really tough position to be in, and Misty did end up deciding to get brain surgery to have this cyst drained, and the surgeon did not do a good job. It is a wild story. It's a frustrating story. It's one of those stories where there is no clear answer, and there's not necessarily a clear path, and Misty is just navigating these murky waters on their own, asking for help over and over, and some of the help they received was very poor. But Misty is a fighter and will keep pushing for answers, continuing to look for ways to better their health situation, lessen their chronic pain. And there's a ton to be learned from the experience that Misty will share with us on the podcast today. So we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I want to start with a quick update on my health situation. So as I've mentioned, I have started to see a new doctor who is really wonderful. She ran a ton of tests before my first visit and a bunch more after my first visit. And she did find something on one of these tests that seemed very promising. So uh, don't get your hopes up. I will, I will tell you that, you know, I am undiagnosed. I'm searching for this diagnosis and I... I went through something over the last couple of days where I thought we might have found the diagnosis, and now it's already come under serious question. So, as I tell you about this, um, just keep in mind that the latest information is that this might not really be happening. So, among the first batch of tests that my doctor ran, I did get a positive result, meaning, you know, this test came back positive. You have this disease. And the disease was called cystocercosis. It is a parasitic infection. Um, and I won't go into too much detail right now. Uh, I did go into a ton of detail in the bonus episode this month for the Patreon where Andy and I sat down and talked about this because I went through like a week or two where I was just elated thinking that we might have actually found the diagnosis. I was really trying to contain my excitement, but I just couldn't help myself. You know, like the champagne corks were coming off and I I tried not to tell anyone about it, but then I, I just felt so guilty keeping this secret from my family and friends. I ended up starting to tell people and then it had started to come out and I couldn't stop it. So we talked about it on the bonus podcast and then then we finally had an appointment with infectious disease, which as I'm recording this happened today. Um, and 
we talked about confirming whether or not I have cystocercosis, this parasitic infection, and the doctor thinks it is a false positive. And he said that false positives are actually very common, much more common <laughs> than you would than you would hope. And it's it's been very deflating. It's it's completely maddening. Um, it's t- I don't want to talk about this too much right now because I'm in feeling a lot of feelings. I'm in the midst of this today. I don't quite know how to process it. Um, but yeah, he's going to order confirmatory testing anyway, even though he thinks that this is a false positive. I talked him through my history and he doesn't think that this matches up. And, you know, something that happens with this disease is that you should be able to see it on imaging, especially with neurological symptoms that should show up in the brain. And I don't have any, uh, and any of the telltale signs of it in my brain. Um, so I, I just, I don't have the gas today. I don't have the juice to talk all the way through what this disease is and why we thought it was such a good fit. And I also, I have these like super conflicted feelings over the fact that I, I talked about it on the bonus episode of the the Patreon and I was so excited. You know, Andy and I were both so excited. I, I just had this feeling that this was it. I had this gut instinct. You know, we had this positive test result. I was like, oh man, this has to be it. You know, I've been sick for so long and we finally have a positive test result. And then to immediately have that deflated has been really tough for me. Um, so the main reason I'm bringing it up today is because I feel kind of guilty that I... I may have raised any of the hopes of the people listening on the Patreon, hopes of my friends and family, my own hopes, my partner's hopes, all, all before talking to the specialist, you know, and I, 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 I've just been through this so many times, I should know better, but I couldn't help myself and I, I let it slip and I, I shared my excitement in several venues and, you know, it was premature. And I, I, I feel weird as I'm recording this. It's like, this is a weird way to announce on the podcast that I tested positive for cystocercosis and then immediately saying that they think it's a false positive without going into any detail. I, I just, I'm a little spent right now. And this is, uh, I, I feel like I have to say something about it now because I did bring it up on the bonus episode. And I just feel like I, I have to like dash everyone else's hopes, not just my own. It's this. It's so complicated. It is so complicated to be chronically ill and to be searching for a diagnosis. And it's very fitting with Misty's story because, you know, Misty's been through a lot of the same things of like feeling like they might have found answers and then having hopes dashed and then trying something else and then having hopes dashed again and and then being confused and left in, in nowheresville and not sure what to do next. So, if you're interested in learning about cystocercosis, it is a fascinating uh, parasitic infection that I just learned a ton about over the last couple of weeks. It is spelled uh, C-Y-S-T-I-C-E-R-C-O-S-I-S, like cystic and cercosis put together, cystocercosis, uh, if you want to look it up on your own. Interestingly, it is, I'm going to spoil this episode of House, but it is the disease from the very first episode of House, uh, neurocystocercosis, when this parasite gets into the brain. So, yeah, it's, you know, just the real quick rundown about it is that it is the um, an infection from the larval cysts of the pork tapeworm, and it is endemic in Mexico. It's very rare in the United States, but I grew up in San Diego, plenty of visits to Mexico, so... It just felt like it fit. It felt right. And I, my instinct was telling me that this was it. And I think that's what I'm maybe struggling with the most right now is that I, I'm just so sick of my instincts about my body being so wrong. And it's, it's just infuriating. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I feel weird about this. I feel weird about the way that I'm presenting this on the show. I held off on talking about this after getting the positive test result until I got more information. Uh, but then, you know, I just didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I did a good job about this. Like, this is just weird. I don't know how to, I don't know how to process it. I, I don't know how to talk about it because it's, it just feels, Andy was saying this feels like a cruel joke, you know, to like test positive for something that would account for all of my symptoms and then be immediately told that they think it's a false positive. It's like, why, you know, like what, why? But yeah, so that's, that's what's up. <laughs> um, I do have a lot more going on with my new doctor. You know, she is great. She's got a lot more tests in mind. And we're talking about dysautonomia testing. And there's a lot, a lot more to do with this doctor. But I thought that we might just, you know, zip straight to the finish line. You know, like the, the, Sister Sarkosis was among the things she tested me for before I even met her. And I was so ready for that to be the story that I'm, I found this genius doctor who figured me out before even meeting me. But um, it's not that simple. It's, you know, we are still going to look further with this disease. Like I am still going to get the, the con confirmatory testing, but of course there's another wrinkle in that this testing has to go through the CDC and the CDC has stopped offering the test because of COVID. I just found this out today. You know, I had this appointment on telehealth. I went to the lab to get the test done. And then they, you know, first the order wasn't there, so I had to wait, and then they got the order, and then they couldn't figure it out, so I had to wait. And then after being there for like 45 minutes, they tell me, um, yeah, we can't even find this test in the CDC database. We think they might have paused it because of COVID overload, so we have to reach out to the CDC. It's probably going to take weeks before we hear back, and then the test itself will take weeks, if not months. So now I, I'm going to have this thing that I tested positive for that's probably a false positive that I'm going to have to wait probably months to find out for sure, if it is a false positive. So, it just sucks. I'm sick of it. It sucks. But but I still have a ton of trust and faith and hope around this new doctor. And I just have to apologize to the Patreon crew. I'm so sorry if I got anyone's hopes up. My hopes were up. My hopes had been gotten up because I tested positive for a freaking disease. Uh, so, yeah, this is wild. You know, it, it's just another chapter in this stupid story that I'm living through. <laughs> and I, I, I'm having a lot of feelings today about, like, what do I share on the podcast? What do I share on the Patreon? You know, I want to be able to share about the journey as it's happening, but I also don't want to be, like, feeling this weird weight of getting other people's hopes up about my story and, and then having to disappoint people. Like, that feels bad, you know? And it's, 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 my friends and family as well. And I, I don't know if I should be feeling bad about this or not. It's like another complication of like, I can't help but feel bad about it. I don't even know if, if it matters to anyone else the way it would matter to the people that are close to me, but it's, uh, I don't know. Um, that's what's happening. Moving on. <laughs> Speaking of the Patreon, uh, we have a brand new patron this week. Uh, my amazing friend, Alexandria Henderson. I'm so grateful that Alexandria has signed up to support the podcast. Alexandria was actually part of the Space Nerds podcast, uh, the one of the iterations of my sci-fi podcasting. 
uh, career, I guess you could say. She and I were covering Black Mirror, and we'd talk about the space news together. Had an absolute blast. She's an amazing friend and someone that I'm so grateful to have their support on this journey. So, Alexandria, I've added your name to the end credits, and then I have a gift to send you of a major pain coaster made by my mom. Those gifts are going out uh, this week. For our two new subscribers at the patron tier, Alexandria and Danielle, you will receive your gifts in the mail shortly. I also have to, of course, say thank you so much to everyone who's a part of the Patreon community. Like I've been saying, your brand new uh, bonus episode is out. If you want the deep dive on cystocercosis, that is where it lies. And we also talked a ton about the TV we've been watching, because there's a lot of good stuff on right now. We talked a lot more about TV than we did about cystocercosis. Uh, but, you know, Star Trek, Picard... Uh, watch out for the big girls, Harlem, Moon Knight, Our Flag Means Death. Talked about all that and more. So lots of TV talk. And Andy talked a bit about what it's like to be back at work because she is now in rehearsals for a play going up at the main stage of the Fifth Avenue Theater afterwards, a uh, musical actually. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to see Andy in it. Really excited for her that she is back to work. And uh, yet to hear about it from her on the Patreon episode that is available now for the month of April. And of course, I have to thank our Patreon producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Trish O'Brien, and Ensign Q. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Uh, the highest tier support of $25 per month as a Patreon producer to help keep this show going. It's so appreciated to those four and, of course, the rest of the Patreon community. I appreciate you all so, so much. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to sign up to support the show on Patreon, you gain access to bonus episodes, gifts, and special recognition. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast or you can find all the ways to support the show at our website, majorpainpodcast.com slash support. Another massive way to help support the show is by leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that allows for ratings and reviews. We have not gotten a new rating and review on Apple Podcasts in a hot minute, so I'm keeping my eye on it. And if you have not left a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it is always extremely helpful and very appreciated. Next week will be the one-year anniversary of the Major Pain Podcast, and I'm putting together a special episode where I'm catching up with former guests to see who has updates and learn a bit more about what people have experienced on their health journeys since first appearing on the show. I've recorded one so far with India, and it was fantastic. It was so fun and really, really interesting to get some updates on India's story. I have a couple more scheduled for this week, so I am very happy to announce that we'll, we will be at least... Uh, checking in with India next week, and hopefully several more people, depending on, you know, schedules lining up and, and people's health lining up on the day that we have to record. Uh, so I don't want to overpromise. I know we have India for sure, because I've already recorded it. And I have a couple more people that lined up that we'll hopefully be talking to. But I'm really excited about it. And since next week will be the start of the second year of the podcast, I'm going to be calling it season two. So I do number all the podcasts. It doesn't show up on every pod podcast platform. I put it in the metadata, you know, the season and the episode number. So we're going to start season two next week, uh, season two, episode one. That's just how I've decided to number and arrange the podcast, just because that's what feels good to me. My plan is to actually update the intro of the podcast, where we have a few quotes uh, that I've pulled out from the first couple of episodes that I recorded before the show launched. So I'm going to comb back through the last year's worth of episodes and find a couple of 
moments that I think would fit into that opening montage of voices. I think I would probably keep Kara saying, this is a major pain because it's just so perfect. Uh, but I felt like it'd be a fun thing to do once a year as we move from season to season of the podcast to update that intro with uh, voices from the last season. As always, you can reach me by email, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com if there's anything you'd like to share. Uh, and if there's any previous guests that have not reached out yet that want to take part in our one-year anniversary, please let me know. I've uh, set aside as much time as I can over the next week to uh, to record with as many people as I can. I'm hoping to have at least two or three uh, previous guests appear on the show, and I'll, I'll record as many as I can possibly fit in before next week. So if you'd like to be a part of that, definitely let me know. If you have updates on your health journey, if you've learned something that you feel is valuable for everyone else to hear, and I will do this again in the future. So if you don't have updates at this point, but you do in the future, definitely reach out and let me know. As always, please keep in mind that I am not a healthcare provider or practitioner of any kind. I am a content creator with a chronic illness, and I make this show because I feel the need. So <laughs> please do not take any medical action based off of what you hear on this show without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we're going to jump into our fantastic conversation with Misty about their chronic pain, pineal gland cyst, and jumping through hoops over and over just trying to get care. Let's do it. Misty, welcome to the podcast. Jesse, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, we've been in touch for a while uh, through TikTok, and I know that you've listened to several episodes of the show, and I'm just really excited to have you here and have you be a part of this. Yeah, I've found it really helpful, and I'm super happy to be here today. Oh, I, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Well, let's get into it. Misty, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Misty Fall. I uh, just turned 43 the other day, a couple days ago. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I'm queer, uh, non-binary, AFAB. For folks that don't know, that means uh, assigned female birth. Um, I use they, them pronouns. I'm an artist of sorts um, and a massage therapist. And I have a dog named Hank the Tank, and he's a pit bull. Uh, I got him over COVID, and uh, he's he's a special, sweet guy that keeps keeps me going. That's awesome. I I, yeah. I love dogs. I miss having a dog so much. <laughs> no, they're they're super healers. Yeah, I've heard that pit bulls are really really sweet too, or they can be. He tunes in. I think I got like mad at a telemarketer or like some some deal that went wrong the other day and yelled a little bit to myself and he just came up and you know snuggled right in and just licking my face all over the place Aww. so <laughs> got some emotional support that's awesome what type of art do you do um painting mostly uh through through school i guess since i was a kid you know i was just drawing um on sketchbooks and went to um or decided to do art in high school instead of band had a little music time in there um and i painted through college and so yeah um it's been a part of my life for a good while and yeah it's just 
part of me. Yeah. Uh, Everyone needs a artistic expression of some kind. I think. I think so too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just really healing. You know, I know the times that I'm not making anything creative, I feel worse. (laughs) It's interesting. I have a nice little setup with my slanted table and paints and brushes out. And it's, it's strategically placed right in my living room. Um, but I still don't get to it as often. as. (laughs) Yeah. It's just kind of taunting you all the time. A little bit. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my situation at home. I'm in this small studio. I've got my workstation in front of me w- with my TV inside of it. Like I use it as my TV as my secondary monitor and I'm on the couch. So I'm always right in front of my workstation, whether I'm resting or working. And sometimes it's like, oh, it's just taunting me. I want to work, but I'm too <laughs> sick and I'm just lying here playing video games on the couch. <laughs> uh, yes, there's there's a lot of Netflixing in my life as yeah. well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's get into your health situation. I'm, I What you told me before we started recording really piqued my interest because I don't know anything about it. And, and you know, I'm always excited to learn about stuff I, medically that I've never heard of. So, let's jump into it. Misty, what is your major pain? Yeah. Um, well, I'd say pineal gland cyst is the biggest kind of thing. Um, I also have chronic pain, um, fibromyalgia. Um I got in my first motor vehicle accident, I think in 2004, and that started uh, a chronic pain cycle for me. Hmm. Um, I developed lipoma in my low back. Uh, the lipoma is like a let's see, uh, fatty tissue that's non-cancerous mm-hmm. um, that sometimes develops after trauma, and they caused pain in my low back, and I ended get ended up getting surgery to have those removed in 2011 so what six <laughs> seven years later <laughs> um yeah got that that tells you that there was seven years of chronic pain in there i didn't really know how to get the appropriate care or how to deal with the system uh, so much. I was a passenger in the vehicle with the motor vehicle accident. And somehow, I think like maybe a year later, I started getting massages and uh, maybe going to PT uh, using the claim number that I got from the driver's mom. This is, you know, in college, we were radical cheerleaders and went to Seattle to uh, train some other radical cheerleaders and then just got... Uh, hit from behind. So it was kind of whiplash style. Okay. Um, interesting thing. I think maybe two of the other people in the vehicle ended up treating at all. Like, so I don't know what was different with my body that, you know, the pain kind of stuck around. Yeah. So there was some sort of injury in this car crash. You Well, you have whiplash and then so, something happens in your body where it just triggers this this chronic pain response. This reminds me a little bit of uh, our episode on CRPS, um, complex regional pain syndrome. This idea that that physical trauma can can lead to a chronic pain state that I mean, we don't really understand why. Is that is that the general area of what we're talking about here? It it, it certainly sounds like it could be. You know, I um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at some point, maybe 
eight years ago. So somewhere in there. And I kind of, you know, it, it has been like an umbrella diagnosis almost for chronic pain that we can't explain. Right. And, and I wanted to dismiss that diagnosis. Sure. And so there starts the chronic pain 2004, um, got the surgery to remove. It was like six and a half inches of lipoma from oh, both wow. sides of my low back is wow. what they removed. Wow. Um, what was that surgery like? It was the easiest surgery I've had. Wow. <laughs> it was the uh, same day, you know, I didn't have to, well, I think I did have anesthesia, but, um, you know, I got to leave that day and um, clean incisions and just took it out. No problem. Crazy. And I did feel good relief uh, in my low back. And then I moved to Portland and uh, swiftly got doored when I was on my bike. Ugh. Um, you know, somebody opens their door split second, boom, it just kind of opened up right into me and I twisted to the left and, and fell on my bike in the middle of the street. And, um, it was chaos and, um, yeah, then I'm treating for that. And that was more like upper thoracic neck. Um, my, I, thankfully I had a helmet on. Uh, cause there was a, you know, scratch on the side of the helmet and, and, uh, like my jaw was scratched up a bit, you know? So I, I took this SUV door pretty hard in that one. And I, and I got up, <laughs> I was so in shock. I got back up on my bike and like was trying to ride the West, the rest of the way to my job at the time. Huh. And, uh, <laughs> and, and when the other people saw me, they were like, what is wrong with you? You need to like go to the emergency room. So they took me and uh, yeah, just more pain kind of from that. But I, I'm thinking now that I'm looking back on these things that that may have been one of the triggers for uh, the pineal gland cyst hmm. that I found um, about four years ago. Um, so my dad actually died like four and a half years ago, almost he had prostate cancer that turned that turned into bone and then brain cancer. And some of his last um, actions, you know, he was, he was holding his head in pain. Mm. Um, so that prompted me to get an MRI as soon as possible. I do remember being in college and at that time, 2004 to 2010, 11 or so getting these headaches that were very sharp in the right temple area of my head. And they would just sharp pain. And, um, you know, I'd have to like physically hold my head and, and then gone, like it was fast. It wasn't an all over headache. It was just these random, uh, they call them ice pick headaches in some Mm -hmm. settings. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, yeah, how it feels. Uh, so I was concerned. I've told, I had told, you know, told different doctors at those points about this and uh, nobody wanted to do an MRI or, you know, I kind of have a sneaky suspicion that something made the MRIs more easily billable to my insurance at the time. And that's why I was able to access that care. Um, But uh, it came back with a, 
a cyst on, on the pineal gland. So the pineal gland is in the midbrain. It produces melatonin and kind of regulates your um, circadian rhythms, sleep cycle, getting tired. Um, it also touches on serotonin, but I guess a lot of things do in the body. Um, so, and it's interesting. The pineal gland is also seen as like kind of a, the seat of the soul, Descartes, uh, Kundalini yoga folks are all are like trying to open the pineal gland to get to this, to, you know, I guess, different states of consciousness or, hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, theory and talk about the pineal gland itself in the, in a spiritual sense. Do you know where that um, originates from? I mean, not especially like, I, I think maybe it's, um, it's position. It really is like kind of the third eye, third eye, like it it's literally in the mid brain and it, it sits close to the ocular, uh, nerves of sorts. So, um, like I'm on a pineal gland cyst Facebook group and, and I've gotten a lot of information and, uh, experience shared there from people and uh a lot of folks after surgery will have eye trouble or some of the symptoms of having a pineal gland cyst is uh vision problems specifically like looking up um blurry vision all kinds of stuff wow so so you were inspired to get this mri by seeing your your dad holding his head in pain and reminded you of the stabbing pain that you had been having and kind of pushed you to to want to take that action is that right yeah um because i think he did end up having a tumor in his Mm. his brain as a part of that like i'm so sorry for your loss you went through so much in in such a short period of time thanks um (laughs) yeah death is hard but we're all gonna do it (laughs) we should probably talk about it yeah more literally all of us (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like one of the guarantees one of the few yeah totally and then you so you get the mri done and they actually find something i mean what what was that feeling like you know i've had so many mris and they've all been normal so what's the feeling when you when you actually see something there's something there well it's scary and then the first neurologist i went to um she said, is it, it's an incidental finding and Mm. none of the symptoms you're telling us about are related. Incidental finding as in like, sometimes people just have pineal cysts. Yes. And, and that is a big theme of why it is, it is hard to get good care around this issue. Yeah. There, there are literally, I want to say, five surgeons in all the United States that do surgeries on the pineal gland cyst because it's taught that they're, they're incidental. They don't cause uh, symptoms. Although it's like that is said. And then the next paragraph down is like common symptoms include headache, (laughs) vision. (laughs) Of course it does. It's like, these are incidental findings. It's about 1% of the population, like total po- U.S. population, have a cyst on their pineal gland in the middle of their brain. And it doesn't, and, you know, they're not, they're not having symptoms about it. Right. 
But if you're having symptoms, then it's and, a problem. And, yeah, it can't be incidental when I I literally like had the MRI to find something. Yeah. To see if there was something going on, and and that's the only thing that was going on. Well, that puts and- you in such a tough position because you're being told, "Hey, that thing we found that you know seems like it's possibly the cause of your headaches, not the cause of your headaches. Don't do anything about it." But then, if you do any research, you're seeing other people saying can be the cause of headaches. So then, what are you supposed to do? Uh, I got a second opinion, you know. There you I, go. Changed, <laughs> I, I, I and I told that neurologist, I guess, or neurosurgeon, I, I forget which it was, you know, this is not helpful. I don't, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find information here to stop my headaches. And you're telling me to hydrate well, <laughs> and that you'll, you'll do surgery on my um, arms because I have like some tingling in them. But <laughs> this thing that's been found in the middle of my brain is a, uh, nothing to worry about. What um, what was the tingling situation with your arms? It was, um, I think it was just positional, like sleeping with my hands weird and waking up with them being mm. numb. I guess I was uh, more worried about that at that point as a massage therapist, just yeah. working with my hands a lot and wanting to keep them in, yeah. in operation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 37, we're close in age and it's hard to tell sometimes the difference between a change in your body because of age and a change in your body because of disease. And for anyone who has any sort of disease going on, any sort of chronic illness going on, we're super like attuned. We're trained to look for changes in our bodies. So, um, and it's also very hard for doctors to tell, you know, what's what. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I've, I've fallen into some of those things before too, where it's like, this thing is different and it means something, you know? Yeah, am I am I just aging or is this the thing in my brain that's taking up space and yeah. you know um yeah, the age old question and that's that's why kind of I've said or referred to my situation as a bit mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um so continuing on in the timeline, yeah. I guess um I I I needed to see someone else. I don't quite remember exactly, but I ended up at uh, OHSU and uh, talking to a neurosurgeon. And and I think I've probably had at least 10 MRIs by this point with them um, year by year or every six months or so. I think, yeah, it was probably every six months that they were giving me MRIs to measure if it was growing or not. And the, the growth that I got was like one millimeter or so, which is basically their margin of error. Um, mm. And so, yeah, the, like the size at its biggest was like 14 by 13 by 12 millimeters. And um, so it's, it's like a centimeter and a half or so. Um, the research shows or even it, it's basically talked about like if, if you're up to two centimeters that's that's when they say okay yeah we'll go ahead and uh refer you to surgery okay um since i have been in so many motor vehicle accidents well i think five total um i believe so i i had the neurosurgeon i was talking to and you know like 
I'm trying to get, I'm doing trades. I'm getting body work. I go to an acupuncturist regularly. Um, you know, I'm trying different ways of eating, uh, anti-inflammatory kind of stuff. I am kind of a foodie and I, and I like food. I like food. And (laughs) so I haven't done like super extreme, um, detoxes really well, maybe a little bit, not extreme. I don't know. Um, through my schooling for the massage therapy, um, the modality I practice is called AMA therapy and it's based in Chinese medicine. And it was like a three-year program and we covered like nutrition through Chinese medicine lens, uh, you know, like acupressure, all the um, theory. Exper- yeah, you experimented on yourself to see if you could get less than any of your symptoms. Yeah. We, which, which we all have. And I've done some really extreme diet things and none of them worked. So it just depends on, on what you have and everyone's different. We all have the same symptoms for like completely different reasons, you know, like chronic pain and tingly sensations. And, you know, like I also have that sharp or, or not, I have like a dull ache on the right temple. I'm not, not a sharp pain, but a dull ache. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a, a, assist in my brain that I know of. So it's like, we all have to kind of experiment and hope that something works, but it's really tough when you have no guidance. Yeah. And you want the medical community to be a guide and to help you. And my experience has been almost, I mean, it just, it's been really tough. Yeah. Um, Because motor vehicle accidents were a part of uh, my initial kind of delve into chronic pain. I was having to um, prove to my lawyers and, you know, that I'm still in pain. Why are you in pain after six to eight weeks of soft tissue damage? That's supposed to be done six to eight weeks of treating. And yeah, that's, that's what we pay for. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give you an independent medical um, evaluation by our guy that we have <laughs> hired under Allstate or whatever insurance company, and they're gonna, you know, say no, you're you're good, you're fine. So I feel like that has been a theme throughout my journey. Uh, is like trying to prove to the doctors that I am actually in pain, that I'm yeah. actually experiencing these symptoms, and please treat me for them. Um, while, while also like trying to like maintain in my mentality, like, Hey, you can get better. So it's a, yeah, it sounds so familiar. I I've, you know, uh, it's just so upsetting that this is the way that everyone is treated, but you know, but it happens. So like, how, how do we get through it? So what did you decide to do? You have this pineal cyst, you, you got, what did the second opinion yield? when you talk to the second neurosurgeon or neurologist? Basically, they just were going to continue watching it. Okay. And um, in 2020, I I got another motor vehicle accident. Oh, wow. It was just me and uh, hydroplaning. And, uh, like, I basically totaled a car that I was mm. in um, from turning and um, – it shook me up a little bit, you know, obviously I was in shock, but, um, because I think because my cyst was like 1.4 millimeters, 
uh, it was closer. It was close to two centimeters. So they, you know, um, that combined with the fact that I had been in uh, another motor vehicle accident that kind of shook me up with whiplash style Hmm. again, uh, action and that I, I had an increase in, in headaches basically every day, nonstop. Mm -hmm. And, um, just taking Tylenol and Advil to try to control it. I also smoke CBD trying to control pain that way. Um, I was, I mean, 2020, I was, uh, I had to pause, you know, pause, stop the massage and uh, ended up doing some safety uh, work with uh, homeless folks in a, in a like social distancing center. Hmm. And um, it was stressful. Um, I was, I was trying to communicate to the staff about like how bad the food was and can we get different vendors because our clients are like really not enjoying this stuff slash some of them are getting sick. Wow. Um, <clears throat> you know, and uh, I, I had an experience where um, basically one of, one of the residents had like a knife that they were like looking at and laughing at and were, we didn't allow weapons in the facility and I tried my best to casually um, say, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, oh, that's a knife. <laughs> um, I think uh, we don't actually allow weapons in here. You know, uh, I think you're going to have to give that up, man. I just, I, and I tried to like keep it mellow and, and friendly and had a little bit of rapport with this guy, but he was uh, ready to break from all the other stressors and he flipped tables and was yelling uh, atrocities at me and had another staff come in and like kind of knock the knife away with a box and chaos ensued. It was a stressful situation and yeah. on top of being in a pandemic. Right. And I just, uh, I think I, I was at a, at a high stress and my headaches were just not stopping. And it, and it, it has turned from those uh, ice pick style, right temple headaches to just overall head hmm. pain. And, um, and it's, it's hard to focus with that. So that is another thing that propelled me into just, Hey doc, can we look at this again? Um, I'm really suffering here and I, I want some relief. Can yeah. like, why am I not a candidate for surgery? Um, you know, and I, and he finally referred me for surgery and it was, it's a fenestration. So I've been, basically there are two types of surgeries that you could have with a pineal gland cyst. One is full resection. And usually the cyst is around, it's um, like around the cyst. So they are the pineal gland. So they take it all out the, the gland itself as well. And, or you can have fenestration surgery, which is a slightly less uh, invasive. It's still middle brain surgery. So it's intense. And, um, and that's what my surgeon did. Uh, so the fenestration is they like poke holes in two sides of the cyst and kind of drain it. And 
uh, I talked to my surgeon before and asked, you know, if you can get more out, will you get more out? Um, you know, cause there's this discussion on the pineal gland cyst group page about people who are post-op and are having different variations of success post-surgery. Some people are having vision, vision issues, but that's, that's kind of an example of it. It is of one of my symptoms and I'm not sure if it's from the cyst or the surgery now. Sure. Um, because brain surgery in itself is considered a TBI traumatic brain injury. Hmm. Um, just, yeah, I had the fenestration. Uh, I asked for a biopsy, especially because, you know, I thought if my dad had a brain tumor, maybe this is related. And, and there is some, I feel like they, uh, they want to do a contrast dye. MRI to differentiate between if, if, if it's a cyst or a tumor mm -hmm. and I guess if it looks like there's fluid in it, it's a cyst. And if it's not, then it's a, a tumor. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, if I was having someone <clears throat> going into my brain to check something out, I'd want it bi biopsied also. I'd want to know what it was definitively. Cause yeah, that, that is often how they determine what something is. They'll just, look at it through imaging and, you know, say this looks like a tumor or a cyst. You know, I, I've been through that several times as well, um, including when I had testicular cancer that, you know, oh, it, they, they look at it and say that looks like cancer, uh, but they don't know until they take it out, you know, until, until you actually study the thing. You can't tell for sure what it is. So, and, and in my case with testicular cancer, they, you can't biopsy it because that can spread the cancer. So, they oh. just, I just had to have you know, I had a testicle removed before I found out for sure that I had cancer. It was cancer. You know, I made the right choice there. But but it's, you know, I've also had these like mucus cysts that a very similar situation where I was told for years that there's no, no way it was causing my headaches. And I was having a separate sinus surgery. I asked them to remove those mucus cysts while they were in there and they did. And my headaches yeah. didn't change. So, you know, you just don't know, you know, you don't know what things are for sure. You don't know how they're affecting your body. And with a, with a, with a pineal cyst, I'm just imagining here that like, if you have a cyst in your brain, you don't know what it's pushing and what it's doing. And it's impossible to know unless you take it out. So you're put in this really tough situation where you have to make this like really hard choice. Do I have a dangerous surgery that could have lasting, you know, ramifications without any benefit, or it might help with the headaches and you decide to go for it. And I, I, I feel like I probably would have done the same thing. I mean, since I'm, I'm actually pretty sure I would have done the same thing. <laughs> it wasn't even like a decision for me. As soon as he offered it, I was like, do it, sign yeah. me up. I feel relief already with the, with the prospect that it would help and make absolutely me feel even the possibility of helping with these debilitating symptoms, you know, you want, we all just want to live. Like we all just want to have the best op opportunity to live and thrive and be happy and healthy. And if something in our body is in the way of that, we'll do anything to try to change that. Yeah. So I had the surgery and uh, he didn't do a biopsy Wait, and what? He didn't do it? <clears throat> Why? Exactly. exactly. My question, my reaction too. What? I've, I've complained. Um, 
I, with a patient advocate, with the neurosurgery case manager through OHSU complaint form, I've gotten, I mean, honestly, it's been more heroin and like harsh on my like mental health and um, just having to fight yeah. and, and say, hey, you guys kind of messed up here. Why didn't I get a biopsy? And also he put uh, hardware in the back of my head to close. And um, I just had a surgery to remove that hardware because it was protruding from the back of my head and I couldn't lay down on my head without pain. Wow. Uh, so, so when they go, so they go into the back of your head and do they like drill through a, a portion of skull or something to be able to reach the pineal gland? Yes. So, um, in the back of your head, there's the like external occipital protuberance, Mm -hmm. which is basically if you follow the line up your neck, like spine, there's a little like kind of bump in the middle of your head. So, um, yeah, they, they cut that open, um, maybe like six, six inches or so down, like not quite to the neck. But uh, the back of the head, um, they take out like maybe two quarters size circle of or of uh, the skull. Oh wow, that's kind of big. It yeah, and uh, and then they also did a lumbar puncture to drain the fluid, the CSF fluid, uh, which is so that's one of uh, another main symptom for people that have pineal gland cysts uh, is uh, inter- intracranial pressure. And then they just sh- shoot on in there. <laughs> uh, I think endoscopically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mine was like a seated kind of like in, in a massage chair, almost like seated um, prone face down. Yeah. Face down. And Were you awake? No, 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 no. Okay. I know some brain surgeries, they keep you awake. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. They did the surgery. I woke up and just, you know, in the hospital, had a bandage on. Um, I went through a breakup shortly before that surgery. So I didn't have any wine to help. Uh, Yeah. I, I got actually, no, my, uh, one of my best buddies uh, came all the way from Bellingham to Portland to Mm. uh, be with me for like four days and another friend was taking care of my dog while I was in the hospital and I see you. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, um, I, I didn't know I was going to have hardware in my head. So it was like a two inch <laughs> mesh plate, titanium mesh plate and four screws and surgical cement. Wow. Uh, to cover that hole, but, the two quarter size hole in the, yeah. Around the occipital protuberance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, wow. So they didn't do the biopsy. And didn't tell you beforehand that you were going to live with hardware in the back of your head for the rest of your life. Right. And um, basically my um, instructions upon being released were here, take the oxy and the flexor all for pain and, and uh, taper it down as soon as possible and switch over to Tylenol. Um, basically that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. no, 
I got more information from folks in the group about like, get some stool, stool softeners because the oxy definitely constipates you. Um, you know, a wedge pillow to be able to like sit up in bed, um, like masks, um, for your eyes, different, like kind of glasses that like block, um, UV light, I guess light sensitivity is a thing. So, um, I was really disappointed with, with the lack of follow-up care. Yeah. And, um, and I, I just still haven't had it really addressed besides, Hey, uh, the patient advocate saying, you know, saying, sorry. Uh, I even, so I had the surgery in April 21 and I emailed a patient advocate in May and she lost or forgot about that email and didn't, didn't respond. Um, well, the first response was, Hey, can I share this with your surgeon? And I responded, yes. And then nothing. And she forgot about it. My surgeon happened to move away and out of OHSU out of state. Um, so I have not been able to have like continuing care or, be able to ask him why he put the hardware in and why he didn't do the um, biopsy. And so the last MRI I've had um, in September of 2021, it was 11 by eight by six millimeters. So it's, it's in there. He got maybe 35% of it. And then um, through continuous, complaining um i i've been able to access another surgery for them to take the hardware out and scrape basically they said shave down the cervical cement um so that happened in january and we're here in march um and i'm kind of just throwing my hands up i i still have headaches basically the best uh the best thing that has come out of the surgery is I don't have uh, the full head to like pressure mm. anymore. Um, so that's good, but yeah, it's been a wild ride and um, I feel like I've experienced gaslighting in, in, in the, I'd say in the so. community here. Just, just the whole idea that, Oh, you know, you can, you're telling me these symptoms and we found this sizable thing in the tight space of your brain. And we're going to say it's not related and, Oh, it's not big enough. And your symptoms aren't bad enough until something breaks. And I'm like, I'm having headaches like every single day and can't get rid of them. And I'm losing my ability to like function and focus. And, you know, I have the surgery and it's, been a continued struggle since then. Um, wow. I, I'm shocked that the surgeon only took out 35% of this cyst. It's like, what's the point? Why, why would he do all this? Like, he, he specifically did exactly the opposite of what you'd asked for. Like, you asked to take out as much as possible, and you asked to have a biopsy, and neither of those things were done. And you did this, like, really dangerous surgery and on top of that it sounds like the cleanup work from the surgery was so bad that you had to have another surgery to fix that 
Yeah. Um, so it's like, what's the point? Like, none, nothing that you signed up for was done correctly. And I'm so glad to hear that you got a little benefit out of the surgery. But does that make you feel like that? Does that do you? What is your instinct? Because you know we can't know any of this for sure. But is your instinct that that this is the cause of your headaches, and then if you could get more of this thing out, it would get better? It's really hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I know, I know that I have a high stress level, and uh, and sensitive. I've actually I've had. Uh, I've had a medium reading mm. about this um, and, and she described it as like having like protecting me from sensitivity. Like I'm, I'm a Pisces, I'm a body worker, I'm sensitive for sure. That's true. But um, I guess that idea is like this cyst has, has grown as a protection Um for me and is like something she said it was like filming and it, it can like disappear in layers or it can like get smaller. This is what like, the, the medium said. That's what, that's yeah. what the medium said. What, how did you feel about that information? You know, I take it all in a, with a grain of salt and I can, I can imagine that being that, you know, some kernels of truth in that idea. Um, I also, um, am into Chinese medicine and have like gotten acupuncture a lot. And by the way, I, I feel like I, I, I've heard you, you talk about that joke. Like, have you tried yoga? Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I, I swear it's like in Portland, there's a, have you tried acupuncture? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I love yoga and I have tried acupuncture, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, yeah, it, right. it's the, it's the uninitiated thinking they can solve your problems with one question. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I recognize the humor in that, but um, I've had a, a Chinese medicine professional like tell him all, all the symptoms and stuff and him talk about, <sighs> okay. So uh, external pathogens is, is, isn't the idea of, you know, heat, cold, um, damp, phlegm all of these different outside pathogens are kind of what ails us and uh he was talking about like maybe there's an electricity that is uh running along the spine and and something about this electricity with the cyst i forget what he exactly what he said but it's like being disrupted somehow yeah i went to a, an acupuncturist who told me because my pain is um, I have pain everywhere, but my really sharp, well, not sharp, but consistent, they're like dull pains. It feels like a, a balloon of pain being inflated. Mm. It's in my right temple and my right foot. And I get a lot of like tingly feelings down my right arm. So it, a lot of it is like right side focused, but I get it everywhere. But he was saying that when you have a lot of pain in the right side, that means there's too much wind uh, in your body, you know, using some of these terms. Yeah. And he wanted to, you know, use acupuncture and herbs to try to um he was talking about like too much wind as if it's like a big empty room and you want to have like the right amount of stuff in that room um otherwise too much wind will like flow through so we want and stuff is the nutrients of your body um because hmm. there's uh, there's been theories for years that i'm having nutritional deficiencies and this this was a different way of looking at it and i decided not to pursue this because i didn't my instinct was that it wasn't the right um 
wasn't the right path for me. I've tried, I've tried acupuncture at least four times, uh, three or four times, no, four times at least with different practitioners. And, uh, I've tried Chinese herbs two or three times. Like, you know, I've, I've been through it all and I, it, it's just maddening to just ask different people for help. And everyone's, everyone's like version of what is helpful is not only wildly different, but the entire language that they are speaking is different. Like the entire infrastructure of care is different. And, yeah. and the ones that cost a lot are the ones where they're very eager to give you everything. And the mm. ones that are free through insurance are the ones where you battling to try to get any help. So it's like you either spend a ton of money or you fight. And it's like, wh where are you supposed to land in the middle of that? It's just, it's awful. Yeah. It's very, very frustrating. Like, I feel like they're like, I need a health coach. I need yeah. someone to, I also have like ADD, anxiety, depression. Um, I would love to have a body double just to help me roll through some of, some of these things that are so frustrating. Yeah. But you know, I, we all have depression, anxiety. I, I refuse to believe that, that depression and anxiety negate the need to treat chronic pain like that that's so upsetting to me oh, like yeah, we've all in, we've all internalized that because doctors keep saying it over and over it's like oh your your anxiety is causing this i you know just in talking to you for the last hour i i i find that incredibly hard to believe that that is the cause of your headaches you know i i I'm, I'm sure that like, it makes it worse to be anxious and to have constant pain. I know that from experience, but, but right. my constant pain level does not change based off, off my anxiety. It's that my experience of how awful it is to be in pain changes based off my anxiety. Well said. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, so you've tried these alternative medicines. You, you've, you've gone way out of your way to try to find stuff that helps, including brain surgery. And the brain surgery was not done to the best of its ability. So where does that leave you? Do you want to go back for more brain surgery? Well, that's part of the problem. There are, there are like five surgeons in the U S that actually will do uh, a pineal gland surgery and mine moved to Arizona. Yeah. And there's, there's, I think Swaggerman in South Carolina, somebody in Wisconsin. Um, I'm on OHP. It's so I, I feel you on the uh, free healthcare is it's, it's wild because like I, I have been able to access a decent amount of acupuncture, chiropractic PT. They don't touch massage barely. Um, it has to happen like under a chiropractor with the billing mm -hmm. and that's a whole thing, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I'm trying to live my best life. Um, I'm trying to, to like not carry this into my private practice and, but I also like, I, I tried to take insurance. I'm credentialed with like blue cross blue shield and a, f a, f a couple other uh, insurance companies. And uh, I find the process of trying to do like benefits checks and pre-authorizations and figuring out if I can charge this person for a massage. It is terrible. Uh, I even have a biller 
and I, I'm just like, so, um, it's, it's just one of those things that I just feel like I don't want to touch it, mm-hmm. um, because it's so frustrating and time consuming and yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm like two months out of the, the most recent surgery to fix the hardware. And I do carry some hope that some of the healing that was supposed to happen from the first surgery will happen Mm. now that I don't have like a separate pain radiating from the back of my head where there's surgical cement sticking out and protruding. Um, I, you know, it'd be great to have a little help with like disability. And I, I already tried. Yeah. Well, I tried once and got denied and that's what I hear is everyone gets a first denial um it's yeah i guess i'm just i'm i'm rolling and and trying to make the best of my life um i do feel like (laughs) i felt like chronic pain was like enough to give me a lovely amount of compassion to be able to like bring that in my practice Mm -hmm. and and like you greet things with a an experienced compassion um so that's happening, but I, I, I feel like I've set myself um, a boundary of doing like three massages, three days a week tops. Yeah. And I haven't even met that um, since either surgery really. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I'm not sure what my next move is. Yeah. I've always like been drawn to and like done nonprofit caregiver, you know, massage, like helpful things. I like to be in touch with the community and help. And, uh, I'd like to continue that. Um, but you know, massage does take a toll on the body, especially with chronic pain, fibromyalgia, all that stuff. Um, Oh yeah. Massage. I hear it's like massage and cutting hair are two professions (laughs) that I hear a lot about where your body just like, it really runs you down forearms the shoulders oh, the yeah. back yeah or, or dog washing as well or grooming <laughs> yes yeah 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 so yeah and it seems like you, your general pattern has been do the thing that makes the most sense and hope for the best and then if you get to a place in the future where you need to take more action you're going to look again and find the thing that makes the most sense and try that next. That's kind of been your pattern from what you've, I think from what you've said. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, you don't need to know what your next step is right now, Like you've been given no good options and like all the things you've tried have worked to varying degrees or not worked to varying degrees, but, but you're not getting, you're not getting someone who's advocating for you besides yourself. And that's so common. You're not getting the care that you need even though you keep asking for it. And that is so common. So the best you can do is like, keep going, keep trying, keep pushing through, keep looking for new doctors or trying different, you know, forms of self care or doing anything you can to live the happiest, healthiest life you can inside of this journey while never giving up on yourself. And I definitely feel like you're doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
I am my own best patient advocate and I definitely try. Uh, I'm doing a pain clinic at uh, NUNM almost weekly. Sorry, I'm hearing my dog snore now. I don't know. Oh, I don't hear him at all. <laughs> but that's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no, uh, I hear it. I hear it. That's great. I like it. Let's keep it. <laughs> oh, he's a good one. yeah so you know what and and him being here and and regulating my schedule and like making sure that i'm getting on three walks a day mm-hmm. and um you know that's been really helpful and especially through the pandemic and and not being able to see many people uh just having a loving warm little being that is just precious uh yeah. has definitely helped like my mood and loneliness and um so yeah i hear that for sure it's wonderful um and i yeah i've been able to you know uh get a letter from a therapist to call him he's an emotional support guy um nice. so that's cool yeah. yeah pain clinic going to that as much as possible taking the walks trying to have friends go on walks with me it's weird though and there's yeah i don't know just like wild stuff like uh that's maddening and like <laughs> uh they you know they want to do a mri follow-up over after the surgery and i had to wait like an extra month um because they had to look at my my head because there's metal in it now that was put in there by their surgeon and, and they like took an extra month to like verify that I, that I could have another MRI. Even like, though it was their hospital system that did it. Yes. Yeah. This is so and frustrating. I, and I haven't been able to even like access neurology or actually, Oh, this is the worst one. Uh, headache specialist. I've been trying to see a headache specialist since 2018 yeah. and with OHP, they just won't cover it. I, I had to list like 10 plus drugs that I've tried and haven't helped. Uh, and still, um, I don't know why. Like I, I literally like have talks with a, a, a gal that's from care Oregon that's trying to help me like understand why I'm being denied for these services. And sometimes, yeah, it's just, it's very frustrating. And I try to just laugh through it sometimes. Yeah. yeah I know you're, I'm a fan <laughs> of that. It, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also, you know, I don't like the way your medical center is treating you. I really don't like it. It reminds me a lot of my old medical center and I, I, I don't know what the situation is where you live. It, it sounds like OHP might, is that the state sponsored Medicaid? Yeah. Yeah. That's Apple I'm on here. Apple health. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I have that up here and I've been on it under two different providers. Um, mm. I started with, uh, I want to say, oh man, I'm not going to remember. I think I started with Molina and now I'm under United healthcare. I did it. I remembered. Nice. Um, and and it's made a big difference. You know, I, it's, it's, okay. it seems to be easier under a different provider. And the biggest difference was switching from, I was at Pacific Medical Center up here in Seattle, and I switched to University of Washington, the teaching hospital. I talk about you this all the time. Before. Yeah. yeah. And it's not perfect at all. And I still run into dead ends all the time. And some of the doctors are gaslighting me in the ways that I have experienced all my, all my, 
journey, but there have been some huge differences. Um, people take me a lot more seriously in general. I've had way more good doctors, um, including the newest one that I saw that was like, you know, a home run for a good doctor. It's, I'm still kind of reeling from, from everything that she's done for me already. And it's just so different. It's so different. So uh, not to say that everyone needs to follow that path, just to say that like, try a different medical center. You know, if you're not getting what you need, there's always another option. There's always somewhere else to go and try. And it feels like they're all going to say the same thing. And, you know, cause they do a lot. It's like, yeah. it feels like they're all going to run one test and then kick you out the door because that happens over and over. But sometimes it's different. It's like that, that 5% of the time that's different is what, what we're fighting for. It's worth it. Yeah. Worth I mean, it. Life changing. If you can find, if you can find it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and I've been nodding all this time for folks. I appreciate <laughs> what you're saying. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I have to ask of all of the uh, uh, alternative care that you've tried, what is your favorite? What do you find helpful and why? I think I may be biased. I feel like the most pain relief I get is through massage, mm -hmm. straight up body work and by different people. Um, I don't know. Um, it just feels like the most overall noticeable. Um, actually I'm, I, NUNM is a Chinese medical like school and then clinic teaching clinic. I, I'm, I, I changed my provider to this place maybe a year ago and I'm going to their pain clinic and getting a little bit of manual therapy, like cracking my neck. Um, so chiropractic, just, just a wee bit of the chiropractic, a body work. It's kind of done sometimes by students like like maybe the, the the teacher will do half of my back and the the student will do the other side um and then like acupuncture but it's 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 different i know like i've i've had an acupuncturist uh felicia Feruzum as well um who she's got a good hand and i just i went to her for years and uh, I'm not a fan of needles and, <laughs> uh, you know, sticking myself and, uh, but she like, I don't know, she did a really good job. And, and there's times like, uh, I had a, oh, it's a soup. It's this, this kind of cyst in your wrist ganglion, uh, ganglion cyst in my wrist. And she, um, with acupuncture, like has, has gotten rid of it. Um, kind of wish she could just needle the middle of my brain there. <laughs> yeah, let's have her do brain surgery. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. But I do like I just I enjoy body work. I enjoy yeah. uh, you know, I do self-massage. You know, another good thing, and this is this is kind of a dynamic here. I I feel the pain in people's bodies and I love giving them relief mm. through my work. Um, but I, uh, I have a harder time like being in my body and knowing what's right for me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's silly. It's like a, 
wounded healer archetype kind of thing. Like I always want to, you know, help relieve other people's pain. But when it's my, my own, it's just, it's different. And I totally get that. Absolutely get that. hundred percent. And also like your pain is complicated and that's why you've sought medical care and the, the answers you've gotten have been confusing. So I get that also. It's like when you're trying to listen to your body and, you know, explain what your body is saying to someone else so that they can help you. This is just all so imprecise. And if the, the language that you use to describe your own body doesn't click with that medical professional, then the answer they give you could be completely wrong, you know? <laughs> and that's happened to me a lot, a whole bunch of times, where they'll say something back to me and it will be very different from what I said to them. <laughs> you know, that's why I often like to repeat back what my guests are saying to me on this podcast to make sure that I'm hearing correctly what, what your experience is, because that's happened to me so many times where I'll explain my experience to a doctor and they, they repeat it back to me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Was that me? Are you talking about me? Cause that's not what I said. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. You know, another little nugget, someone, a client has told me before is like, if you're, if you're talking to your doctor and you want them to do a test or, you know, explore something and they don't want to, for whatever reason, just asking them to note that on your chart that you yeah. Did. Uh, this treatment or this test or whatever it is. And for whatever reason, they felt it was not a good idea at that time. That's brilliant. Yeah. Get it on the chart. Please record that in my notes so I can continue care. And, and then you might just get that test. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If they have to put it in their own writing, why they wouldn't give you a test all of a sudden they got a lot more willing to order something. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. I wish it was easier. And, you know, I still, I, I love talking about it because it's, it's just so hard and so frustrating. And, and we just bang our heads against the wall constantly. And it seems like no one cares. No one's listening, but like, I get it, you know, like I hear what you're saying and I get it and I'm mad. And I just really, you know, I, every time I have one of these discussions, I feel a little bit better about what I've experienced because I wasn't, it wasn't just me, you know, it's not just you. Like we're all in this together and we can hold each other up and we can get through this and keep fighting for ourselves and fighting for each other. And it, it is not, it doesn't have to be the only defining factor of our lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what I get from listening to your podcast. And I totally, I don't remember what I was searching pain stories or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's really, it helps. It really helps to hear what people are going through and um, makes you feel less crazy. And, you know, yeah. So thank you so much for the uh, My pleasure. I, I absolutely agree. You know, that's why I'm here. It's because it helps me. Like talking to people like you helps me. Every one of these conversations has helped me. I, I We're getting coming up on a year now of doing this podcast. And I think about myself a year and a half ago and how different, I felt about my own health problems and it's like, I can't even believe what a positive impact this has had on me. So I, I really, it means so much to hear that from anyone listening to the show. It means a lot to hear that from you. And I, I feel the same way. I, so thank you. I have one last question for you. Um, This is a very specific one in your situation. So I always like to ask for like a piece of advice based off of your experience. 
um, for the next person dealing with your health symptoms. And in your situation, we have a very specific thing. If you have a pineal cyst and headaches and you are debating whether or not to get surgery, how would you, what, what advice would you give to help the next person to make that decision? Uh, <laughs> good question. Uh, <laughs> maybe wait a little, I mean, just even accessing surgery when you have a pineal gland cyst is it's very hard. There there's over 4,000 people in this Facebook group. I would say join a group, mm. ask questions there, look at people's different experiences and feel what's right in your body and listen to your intuition and maybe Try try a couple things that you're resistant to. Um, that is great advice. Getting surgery. Interesting. Yeah, give me some examples. Uh, I don't. Well, for me, I guess quitting smoking is is a little. That's a scary one. Um, I've I've smoked since I was like 15, and now I have bougie spliffs with herbs and flavored <laughs> papers and the, the <laughs> finest high CBD uh, little weed sprinkled in there. And yeah. it's delicious. And I think it's helpful for my pain, but I know it's also comforting is as like a ritual and as like something that's been with me for a long time. I do know that, you know, my lung capacity and breath capacity are probably not the best. I, I know smoking is not great. So that's, I guess that's one thing that I can think of right away Yeah, uh, that I haven't done that, that maybe um, would, would have been good or would be good. Yeah. Well, that is really good advice. Try something you're resistant to. That's, that's new. I think I, I haven't heard that one before and I really like that. If, if there's something in the back of your mind that you think might help, but you haven't tried it because you don't want to, give it a try. You know, like, yeah, yeah that's really powerful advice. Um, nice. It's like that, it's that thing about, you know, have you tried yoga? <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I really, I love yoga and I have been trying to do more this week, like getting back into, I'm trying to get, find a way to do it regularly because my body doesn't function regularly. And the thing, when you're in pain so much, it is really tough. Yeah, it's so hard. And I have been doing some like just looking on YouTube for different guided yoga classes to do in my apartment that are 20 minutes long, that are not difficult, um, or even 10 minutes long on a day where I feel like I can't do anything. And there's definitely days where yeah. I still do nothing. But I do, I just, I, I miss using my body the way I used to be able to. And to do anything that's even close to it is just so comforting and just feels so good. And I, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me and I feel so sick after physical activity so often. Mm. Um, and like I'll, some days I'll do yoga and then I'll feel so sick after and it's like, okay, well maybe I can do less and still do it. You know, just find, just finding paths through and trying things. And, you know, a lot of people I think are very resistant to trying a lot of the things that are like the common wisdom, you know, like eat healthy, get exercise. And it, right. and it, it can be really hard when your body is not reacting well to those things, but there's other ways to try those things. You know, it, there's always, there's always another option. It's just 
sometimes it takes some time to find them and some digging to find them. Keep digging. Yeah. And like, maybe even like account, ask for accountability with friends. I feel mm. like I, I could do a little bit more of that. Like I've, I've been totally blessed um, with, with friends coming to help me post surgery. I've done meal trains to, and, and had a lot of people, you know, throw me some cash or meals for the particular surgeries and recovery, but like a longer term, like buddy that you can be accountable with, or, you know, like really talk to about. Yeah. Like a chronic illness sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the same kind of uh, body doubling with ADHD, like a chronic pain buddy that you can <laughs> go on walks with or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Missy, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. This has been such a great conversation. You know, I, I love all of these and I, <laughs> I just really enjoyed this today. And um, I got, I got a lot of out of hearing your story and even though it's so frustrating and there's no clear path forward, you're in the midst of it. You know, their story is not finished. This is, this is a chapter that we've talked about today. You know, thank you, Jesse. I'm, I'm super, I, I love your work. I love that you're doing this and giving me a voice to help, you know, possibly give someone another answer or discomfort and, and knowing we're swimming in the same bowl of soup and whatnot. <laughs> totally. uh, I almost uh, want to say, Hey, let's talk in a year and see, see where we are. Yeah. You know, there's something that I really want to <laughs> do, um, which is, I've actually been thinking about doing this for, cause we're coming up on a year. Um, I want to reach out to everyone who's been on the show and see who's got updates, you know, like who's, who's got changes in their story or who's found a diagnosis, who's found a new coping mechanism that has helped. Um, The only barrier to doing this is it's going to be tricky. And (laughs) I'm just not a hundred percent sure that I am physically up to it because, you know, it really takes all I've got to get the show out as I'm doing it. But I feel like once a year, it'd be so nice to check back in with people. That's definitely something that's on my mind. Is there anything that you'd like to plug or share, direct people towards? You're, you're on this. I, I'd like to hear uh, where where do people go for this group that you're in? I think that sounds really helpful. Uh, snap, which group? Oh, the Pineal Gland Cyst group? Yes, yes. Yeah, Facebook. Just go to uh, Facebook, there- search for Pineal Gland Cyst in, in the groups yeah. and you'll find it. There's, there's a few, there's okay. some in the UK and Australia. All, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, if, if anyone is in Portland and wants to have aromatherapy body work from me, uh, yeah. my website is mistyfallbodyworks.com. And my name is Misty Fall. Uh, you know, I got the same Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok. I don't have much on t- TikTok, but um, yeah, Misty Fall LMT, I think is all my handles. Awesome. I'll tag you on Instagram and TikTok if that works for you. That does. Fantastic. Well, Misty, thank you again for a fantastic conversation. I really wish you the best in your journey. And I, I don't know, I, I have a feeling that you're going to find something someday. I have no idea what or when, but you know, you, you strike me as the type of person that that just doesn't give up. And I feel like you're going to, you're going to keep going and make progress in some form, in some way. Thank you, Jesse. That's kind of why, yeah, I want to keep in, in touch. And, and I, I feel the same 
for you. And I, I really look forward to hearing about what, what the next step is for you. And I, I hope we both get some lovely relief and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, the more we all learn and share our stories with each other, the more things we all have to try, you know, like that's another thing that's really struck me recently is seeing a new doctor. I'm so much more literate in chronic diseases than I used to be. And like, I'm a part of the conversation in a way that I wasn't before. And I brought up some ideas and the doctor was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. test for that. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, like this has really changed my life for the better. So um, yes. I'm so, I'm so happy to have you be a part of it. And I would love to stay in touch. And I just appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, and Alexandria Henderson. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, and Trish O'Brien. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.